Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the paranormal we go. With Jeremy Scott. Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Good evening from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I'm Jeremy Scott, welcoming you to another week together somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. Always love talking about these really, really fascinating subjects. And uh, what got me going on the road tonight, Wild Encounters. Keith Bearden is going to be my guest tonight. Get ready for him to come on the program here in just a few moments. And if you're not familiar with Keith, we'll introduce you to him quite quickly here. But you know, recently I participated in my first documentary. Yeah, I was uh, invited to participate in this documentary to uh, offer my take on a variety of aspects of the Bigfoot phenomenon and so i did exactly that um i don't know how much of it will actually make the cut or when it's going to come out i don't know if it has a name yet i don't even know if it has a certain uh vantage point uh that they're trying to get across i just answered the questions based on the dozens now of individuals that i've spoken with over the course of more than 600 episodes and counting of this program, who have told me about their stories of uh, something in which they they cannot explain. I mean, one of the questions that I got uh, while I was giving my take for this documentary was, why do you disbelieve? And, uh, well, I don't disbelieve. So therefore, I had to turn it back around on them and uh, and answer or make up my own question, which was, why do I believe? 
And the reason that I believe is because, as I've said, the dozens and dozens of people who I've talked to on this program, and there are many more, I've only talked to a fraction, but these are people who are seeing and sensing something out there. And I do believe that there is a possibility that there are still species in which we have not yet discovered that are roaming out there in the woods. When we talk about uh, Bigfoot, you know, creature yet to be officially recognized by science. But what does that really mean? Science has been wrong before. Science has been slow. What we do have to look at is over hundreds of years, the stories of a Bigfoot-like creature roaming the wild. I mean, it has to be thousands of individuals who have claimed that they are lucky enough in which to experience that. Because I do believe you have to have luck in order to experience Bigfoot. I've been outdoors at times in my life. Many people I know have. And we've never seen Bigfoot. That doesn't mean Bigfoot's not out there. From all accounts, you've got to spend an awful amount of a long amount of time out there in the woods before you can be lucky enough to have an encounter sometimes people who have encounters have multiple encounters so what are we talking about well often described as a large hairy ape-like being something that ranges from maybe six to uh, ten feet tall at times you know, there's the baby ones as well, but for the most part, we're talking about the, the, the big feet ones, the Bigfoots. A human-like face, a foul odor, and uh, this being whatever it is, usually said to, uh, you know, inhabit the woods. It's not uh, usually crossing the highway, that sort of thing. It uh, likes to uh, blend in with the terrain, which it does quite well from... Everything that I've come to understand about these sightings that individuals have had over the years, they say it, you know, it was it was sitting there looking right at me and yet we we couldn't see it. It just blended right in. Is this thing physical? Is it supernatural? And there's a possibility it could be both. It could be a combination of both. Tonight on the program, we are going to welcome Keith Bearden, who began hearing Strange noises and screams had uh, experiences of other odd happenings on his hunting property in Georgia over 20 years ago. And that led him to become a researcher, to look into what he had been a witness to and others as well, and write a book. It's uh, Forest Friends of the Night, My True Story of Discovery of the Bigfoot People. And uh, Keith joining us all the way from Georgia tonight. Good evening, Keith. How you doing, sir? I'm uh, awesome. It's good to have you here on the program. So did you ever, in your wildest dreams, uh, I mean, before you ever saw Bigfoot, imagine that you would you would have an encounter? No, sir. No, not a, not a chance. Um, I had heard about Bigfoot when I was growing up. Um, the Patterson film, I, I had seen that on the news, you know, just like everyone else. But no, I thought they were in the parks northwest. I had 
kind of picked up on uh, reading some stuff on the internet and this, this, that, and the other, but no, I, uh, I had this hunting property since I was, uh, a, a kid. I graduated high school in 1980. We were hunting on that property right after that. So from then up until now, I've had lots of encounters. Actually, I've had over 25 visuals, but now that I can say I, I can look back on my childhood and I actually had an, well, not really a physical encounter, but I've seen some huge footprints. Um, and I had something happen when I was in my bed. I was only like six or seven years old and uh, something came up to my window and it was big and it made a loud, a loud noise and it scared me. I, I could see the shadow and, and I screamed for my mom and dad. Well, uh, not too long after that, it had came up a snow. We don't get many snows in Georgia, so my mom let me go out and play. And uh, there were some huge tracks uh, that ran along a creek just behind our house. Uh, and when I went out to look at those tracks, they were like big man's feet prints. And I, and I told my dad, I thought, there's been a man back there in the snow without any shoes on. He thought I was crazy, but he went back there, and sure enough, you know, there were big, big tracks. Now, I, I completely uh, forgot about all of that. I mean, it. I hadn't thought about it in all this time until I started having the, the things happen on our hunting property. And not only do I know they're there, I, I, I have a physical um, reoccurrence, a habituation, you may want to call it. A lot of people do. But, yeah, I can go there almost any time I want, and, and uh, they'll, they'll come out and show themselves. Uh, not only do I have that, I have taken oh, over the years uh, since 2012, probably over at least I'd say 150, 200 people there. Uh, some top researchers in the field have been with me there. Um, there was a documentary film with me there. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And each time or most of the time, something happens when you take those researchers and guests out there? Every single camp out we've ever had, we had something happen. Now, maybe not a, a visual every single time, but something happened every single time. Yes, sir. All right. So um, sometimes there were screens at night. Sometimes there were footprints in camp. A lot of times it would be bent over trees or asterisks made in and around our camp at night while we were asleep. And so with your hunting experience, when you first started to hear these screams, what did you think about it? Well, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you hear those things, it's one thing, but when you're, you're a, a grown man, um, I mean, I was scared when I was little and I heard that thing in, in, in my house, but when you're out in the middle of the woods, I'm telling you, it's, it's unnerving. If you, even if you have a, a high powered hunting rifle with you, the screams were so loud and they started out really low, almost like a cow, but they got louder and louder and ended up into a shrill at the end and it would vibrate your insides and, and it would happen several times a night, but. It was a, a bit of time before we started getting the screams. It really just started out um, with bent over trees. We'd find trees bent over, bowed over, uh, broken trees. Almost every day I would go on my four-wheeler out, and I'd drive the property. We had 450 acres. And I would ride, uh, ride up on a tree that had been broken, and I was trying to figure out what was causing it because they were, they were broken like anywhere from 8 to like 10 or 12 feet up. And a, and a deer wouldn't do that. I mean, a buck horning a tree wouldn't do that. That's, that's something that they can't do. So that was really, really uh, unnerving for me because I was like, well, what's going on? But, uh, you know, some of our other hunters would come in and they would talk about hearing uh, like chimpanzee noises and 
uh, loud ape sounds, which I haven't heard that as much on my property that where I, I go now, where we do our campouts. But down around our hunting property, they were hearing it because they were they were coming up and talking to us about it. So one day, my son and I decided we're gonna get uh, go uh, walk down the creek. The creek was the easiest way to walk through the property because it's 450 acres. It's pretty dense. So we got on the creek bottom and we kind of walked it out. And uh, we ran across a big track on a sandbar. I took a photo of it, and that's what started everything for me. Because as soon as I saw the track, it hit me that maybe this is a Bigfoot. So I started doing research. I jumped on the Internet. I started looking for everything I could find. Um, I had just joined Facebook uh, probably a couple of weeks before I found this track. So I jumped on there and I ran across uh, the BFRO. I started talking to them. I found Melba Ketchum. I was talking to her a little bit. Uh, yeah, all of these people I started finding. So I, uh, I was trying to get information from the BFRO, but they were very slow on giving me <laughs> information back. But I did have a lady give me a call a few weeks after, and uh, she was stationed at Fort Benning uh, Military Base there in Georgia, and our property was only 28 miles from there. So um, she worked uh, – there, well, she was she was a soldier there, and when she got out, she continued her work. But she was also working for the government, uh, collecting information and the BFRO. So she contacted me and decided we decided we were going to meet at a Waffle House uh, there in Columbus, Georgia, right outside the base. So when she came in, it was me and my son. We had you know all the things that we were going to ask her about. We had lots of questions, but she brought in a satchel. When she took the satchel out. Uh, she pulled out a handful of documents with some photos. I, I'm looking at photos of things that I never would have dreamed I would ever be looking at photos of. And I was astonished. I was I was taken back. And she shared information with us that day that that's what uh, started everything for me. I knew that they were real. I mean, from that point on, it hit me that these things were real. Now, I haven't seen one yet, but just that reality was a shock. And so at, at that point, um, I started collecting data. And the job that I had, I uh, collected data. I was a problem solver at work, and I was in the field. I was a technical rep. So I started to log. I started logging everything down, taking photos. And that's where I started my research that eventually became my book that, uh, that I came out with in 2015. Talking with Keith Bearden tonight, it's uh, Forest Friends in the Night, uh, the name of his book, My True Story of Discovery of the Bigfoot People. We're just getting our conversation underway, and we'll have more with him right after this. Into the Paranormal. This definitely fits the bill of wild encounters tonight. Into the Paranormal continues. I'm Jeremy Scott talking with Keith Bearden. All right, so Keith, you uh, have these encounters and you start to uh, take some uh, records of them uh, through logging, uh, you know, time, place, uh, all that sort of thing, and then uh, physical uh, documentation of your sightings. Please continue. Yes, sir. That's that's where it all started. So starting to log information, lots of... I've got hundreds of stories, but I'm going to try to keep those to the, just the best ones. But basically, yeah, that we started 
doing that. Now, I traveled a lot for my company. So uh, Monday through Friday, pretty much I was on the road. I was somewhere in the United States, either on a plane, flying somewhere, or driving. So during the week, a lot of times, like if there were, especially if there were vacation times, if my family happened to go down to the property, uh, I kept a lady, and I'm not going to give her name here because I, I told her I wouldn't, but the lady that was helping me that I had met at the Waffle House, we'll just call her Mary. Uh, Mary told me, anytime that you need me to, I'm here. So if anybody has anything that happens, tell them to let me know. So that was that was the um, the operation uh, that we, we set up. We just decided to start taking information. Anything that happened, they would get in touch with her if I wasn't around. But otherwise, I would just log the information and I would get it to her. So that's how it started. We we started locking things down. I started writing things down. But again, lots of weird things. I caught a couple of glimpses of some things going through the woods. Uh, now, I never had that dead smell or the smell that people say they associate with Bigfoot. I've actually only had that a couple of times, and, I, and I've been within 10 feet of them many times. Yeah, I've heard so, a, a variety of uh, descriptions, but kind of a musty smell, just a real foul odor. Well, basically what it smelled like to me when I, I smelled the first time, and that was in 2006, no, no, wait a minute, no, that was in 2013, yes, is when I went to find a place to start our campouts that I was telling you where I have all the researchers come. And I thought it was something in the trash can because I pulled up and I smelled it immediately. So I went to look to see if there was like something dead in there. Uh, the wind was kind of blowing from the little creek uh, that was just in front of me, and there was a little wooded area. And so I smelled it a couple of times, and then uh, I was married at the time, so my wife and I decided we were going to walk around and look. I really didn't pay much attention to it. Well, when we were standing there before we took off to down a trail, there was a lot of horse trails there. Um, I kept having little pebbles landing around my feet, and I thought somebody behind me, I thought she was doing it because she was staying behind a little bit, but she kept saying she wasn't doing it, and I knew she had a handful, and she was just throwing them. But I kept having a little pedal, and finally one hit me in the front. She was behind me, and I'm like, well, how did that happen? So uh, when we're walking, there's a there's a creek to my right, and we're walking up kind of up on a hill down the ridge line, and these little pebbles were coming from uh, from that area. I could hear something walking down there, but I really, like I said, when this when all these things are happening, your mind can't like work it work this thing out you're you're thinking okay this is somebody you never associate it with with a a creature in the woods okay so as we're walking and things are happening um we're standing on the trail and I walked up and there was a big huge x uh with made with the trees and then there was another tree that was taken and it was like made a big huge arch and shoved down in the ground right in front of me so I took photos of those I still have those and then uh, all of a sudden, I heard something coming up the side of the hill. I mean, it was running through the brush, making a lot of noise. So I'm expecting anything to yeah. show up, and a deer right. comes out. Hold that thought. We'll pick it up right there when we continue, Keith Bearden, encountering something out there. Wild encounters on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott.
This is Paranormal News. The fastest growing black hole ever to form has been discovered by researchers at Australian National University. It's at the center of a galaxy with a supermassive black hole and has a mass of 15 to 20 billion times that of our sun and growing exponentially. Associate Professor Christian Wolf tells ABC News Australia the black hole eats as much mass in a single day as the sun and all the planets combined. This is almost 20% or a quarter of the mass of our entire Milky Way galaxy. The quasar in which the black hole resides is said to be the brightest object in the universe, bright enough to be seen with a backyard telescope. Not much is known about what's inside a black hole, although it's said that nothing can escape because of the gravity beneath its surface known as the event horizon, which acts as a boundary for all matter that makes up a black hole. George Henry, Paranormal News. from the bushes. Okay, I'm kind of scared to move any closer. I was bear hunting. I, I was with my buddy. We're out there. It's just a normal day. We saw something. So I shot it. Dial into the pair of normal from the U.S. and Canada at 503-506-0396. Or reach us internationally on Skype at ITP51. Then where's the body? I'm Jeremy Scott. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. You know, it's awfully woody out here in the Pacific Northwest. Oregon and Washington and Idaho. And, of course, this is where a lot of Bigfoot sightings have happened throughout the years. But, uh, really, they have been known to happen just about anywhere, uh, especially uh, any climate that is um, is some, is, is uh, any, any climate that is uh, sufficive to what they need to survive, uh, you know, dense forest, that sort of thing. And we were talking with uh, Keith Bearden about uh, experiences on his hunting property. Uh, one story in particular, I want you to continue that one, Keith. Yeah, well, this is uh, the place that I'm at now. Is the location they sent me out, some of my researcher friends, to uh, find for us to do a camp out because we're going to invite a bunch of researchers there and spend a week. So this is across from the hunting property that I had. Um, so basically the deer ran across the trail in front of me. And I, and like I said, I had noticed, you know, the bent over trees and all that same as what I was seeing on my property. So I, I knew there was a pretty good chance that they were there. Um, and like I said, the, my hunting property was directly across the road. So I, uh, once I seen that my wife and I backed out 
we went back down the trail and I wanted to get back down along the creek from where the deer came from because I, I felt like whatever it was was down on the lower trail. So we did. When we got down there, there's a real sandy area there along the trail. So in the sand, there were some very, very prominent uh, tracks, really big. There was there was two big, uh, sets of big tracks that uh, I tried to, and I took a I took a video of it. And I got it on YouTube. So I was trying to jump from one track to the other, and I couldn't hardly make it. They were huge uh, strides. And then there were some little small prints that were only like four to five inches uh, in between them. So, you know, from what we're looking at, it looked like there was like two adults and maybe a baby. So I, I filmed all of that. I took photos. I logged it all down, and it's all in my book. And we backed out um, there. Now, along the same time, um, I'm working with some researchers, and I befriend several people. Uh, and one in particular helped me learn a lot more about She has a, a Native American background, so she was talking to me from her perspective uh, and uh, what they are and told me, you know, if I want to find out more about the Bigfoot people, I had to go there with respect. I had to talk to them. And it feels really weird going into the woods and talking to the woods, but that's what she told me to do. Go out and talk to them. Tell them you're there in respect. And just be as, as easy going as you can be. Don't try not to be afraid. If, if you, know, you hear something, don't get all terrified. Just know they're not going to hurt you. They've never hurt me, and I've been around them all my life. So you know, with all of that information, you know, that's what I try to do. Now, along the same time, we're having a conference up in Georgia, and I got invited to that conference. Um, and I got a, I got to help arrange and, and put it on. And so at the conference, I went to the airport. My job was to pick up some of the speakers. And so I picked up Ron Moorhead, uh, Arla Williams, uh, Tom Kendrell, several researchers that, that I shuttled up to the thing, Scott Nelson. Um, you've probably, some, some of these you've probably heard of. So I took those, them all to the uh, campsite and, uh, and we had, you know, we had the uh, conference, and it, it turned out really good. I learned a lot of a, a lot of cool stuff. But getting back to the campouts now, um, once I got to meet all these people, it opened me up to tons of of resources. So I got to learn from a lot of people and take a lot of information. I um, I've done three, uh, four conferences in Washington. I did uh, one in Georgia. So. Um, but now back to the camp, I know I don't have two hours. I've got probably six hours worth of stories. So I'll try to pick out some of the best ones. Um, so we started our camp out. So like I said, we had experiences almost every single time we had a camp out, but way we would start those camp outs is we had start a fire and it would be, you know, the one that we kept going during the week and we did the native American practices. You know, she liked to do uh, powwows and, and did the drummings. And also we started drumming every night. Uh, and doing little chants and prayers and trying to create uh, what what's called a vibration, a good vibration of positive energy. So we did that, you know, and I'm following directions and we're doing this thing. And while we're sitting around camp doing the drumming, we started seeing eyes shine. They were coming from the woods down below us and they were really, really bright. I mean, it was like, it looked almost like somebody holding up two pin lights. So they would come in, get right behind the tents, and then they'd walk away. We'd hear a stick break every once in a while. But there was clearly something happening, and, and it was it was fascinating. I'm taking it all in, and it's just amazing. But so, you know, we're all doing this thing, and that's kind of where, where I got started. Um, now, I'll, I'll jump into some stories. 
because they're they're they they're still to this day I'm still blown away by some of the things that I've seen and what's happened. Um, so after this particular camp out, and I'm talking to my my friend, and she says, "Look, um, just keep doing what you're doing, keep learning, and you're going to be on this a path for quite a while. Just stay stay uh, respectful to them, and when you go out." Just make sure that, you know, you tell them that you're there and, and you totally respect them. You're going to not leave trash around and you're going to respect the woods. And so uh, that was what I did, and I did that for the next couple of years. So what happened, uh, the, the first really good visual, she had told me that I was going to see a Bigfoot that was going to show himself to me, and he was going to be my, quote, teacher, all right, which is kind of new to me. I got a date from her and everything, okay? so. I'm I'm just going with the flow. I, I write it all down, and I I, uh, I call a few of my friends that are researchers, and we decide on a date to go to this camping area to meet this male Bigfoot that she says is going to show up. And I honestly didn't know if anything was going to happen, but I was going to do what I was told because everything she had said was working. So we went, we made camp. Uh, we took off around 9 o'clock at night. It was getting dark. It was in the fall. And we went down this trail where she told me to go. She said, you know, you're going to look for a, the great learning tree. There's there's something that that there that he wants to show you. So we start down the trail, the same one that I told you we walked down that had the sand on it that we found the footprints. And um, she has a, a Native American prayer song that she does, and I had recorded it. So I had it on my phone, and I played it. Um, and when I played it, immediately on the hill, now it's, it's dark at, at this point, immediately up on the hill, I see two bright lights. I think they're flashlights. I'm thinking that it, there's somebody standing on the hill, but we're in the woods. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that what can that be? It starts coming down the hill and you can hear, hear it walking. So we're standing there. I've got myself and three buddies are with me and the, one of them's got a pit bull dog on a leash. So we're standing there, and this thing's coming down the hill. It's probably 100 yards away, but it's walking steadily. So it comes down the hill as it's walking, and we're all getting a little tense. And I'm still playing the, the Native American song that she's she's got on the, on the recorder there. And so he gets down about 30 feet from us across the creek, and he's looking. And, and the, that light that I told you about, it, it was just one solid light at first, but it turned into two lights side by side, and those lights were eyes, and I'm like amazed because they were really bright. He's so bright that he's standing behind a tree, and there's a tree limb in front of him, and he was lighting up the tree limb, and he's looking over the tree limb, and he's looking under the tree limb, and we start talking to him, and he's just standing there, and I knew there was something big, and, and there was a little bit of light from the moon, so you could see the outline, and like I said, he's just like 30 feet away. Um, my friend decided he's going to grunt at him. So he'd done this grunt, and he said, that's called a greeting grunt. Well, as soon as he did it, those eyes that were like a real bright, whitish-yellow color turned red. I mean, just as red as they could be. It's like you would step on a brake, uh, brake lights on the back of a car. You'd hit the brakes, and the lights would come on at night. And when, when that happened, it was so scary. I started trembling. I got scared. That was the only time I've really been scared. So I started apologizing. I dropped to my knees and started saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We didn't mean to upset you. And he stayed there. He watched us for a few minutes, and they were all just standing there with their mouths open. And he turned. He looked at us, 
and he turned his body. He started walking down the creek, but he kept his head uh, toward us. And then he turned around, the eyes disappeared, and I could see a silhouette kind of going through the woods, and uh, and it disappeared into the dark, and that was it. We didn't hear him anymore. He was gone, and probably, I'd say, 20 or 30 steps. He completely disappeared. There was no sound. Couldn't hear him walking anymore after that. So that was the first real good up-close visual that I had. Yeah, Keith, I'm wondering if in these experiences it's almost sounding like uh, maybe perhaps these entities are responding to what they perceive as either a threat or an intruder, uh, say, on their land. Uh, What do you think about that? Well, I think that's the case sometimes. But now this particular uh, response was told to to me that it was going to happen. She pretty much explained where to go and how to do it. So now she's telling me that she's getting the information from a male Bigfoot that's her teacher. Now, so I'm following directions, okay? I'm still up in the air about exactly what's going on. I'm I'm confused myself at this point, but I'm doing what I'm told. Um, but this particular one, I'm I'm pretty sure wanted me to see him. He wanted us to see him. Uh, and this is the one that I've continued to see up until this this very this very day. I mean, I can go and he'll appear to me at times, and he's he's got a name. His name is Toshinakin. But so, going back to this really quick. So the buddies and I went back to camp, and and we were all just exhausted. I mean, we were we were like uh, the emotions of seeing this thing and knowing that there's something out there for real, is really it it takes your breath away. So. I go back home the next day. I uh, I get with her and I tell her what happened, and uh, she said, "Well, did you guys go back and uh, measure the the for the tree limb?" I said, "You know what? I didn't, but they were still there." And so I, I jumped on my phone and I shot them a message and said, "Hey, if anybody's got a tape, go back and measure." So they did, and that tree limb where he was peeking over was ten foot. So now he was peeking over it and under it, so that puts him at around ten and a half feet. If if he's looking over the limb at least. Uh, so that's how I kind of found out what, how, how tall he was. <clears throat> now I'll fast forward a little bit through that particular instance. Uh, and, and I've got some really good videos of us doing a interview with, uh, the people out there about this because the, the news got involved. So when we start going to this camp out now, the whole County gets behind us and we start becoming celebrities. So they show up every time we go, we have a camp out. And we have, you know, some pretty big name researchers there, so they're covering it, covering it pretty well. But we do this every year. Um, so that was the, the first time I met this big male, Toshinakin, and that's how we were able to figure his height. Now, I will fast forward a little bit. So now we've had a couple of campouts. We've all had our night. We do night walks there, so we'd all do our night walks. We'd see the eye shine. We'd have things happen. Um, they would come up pretty close, and I would take a parabolic, and you could hear them with a parabolic really, really easily walking around. All right, I got to have you explain that when you come back. Um, uh, for those who are not familiar, out there uh, camping out among the stars, and uh, here are these encounters that seem to be, uh, if not on demand, certainly reoccurring scenarios. Uh, We'll talk more with Keith Bearden on our program right after this. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal.
camping and you can hear these things walking around you. I'm Jeremy Scott talking with Keith Bearden. Uh, Keith, though, this was something that uh, you were telling us about was happening to the crew and and you you could hear that uh, you you what you were being encroached upon. Well, here's what happens. We, I, I bought a, a parabolic, and I didn't buy a real expensive one. I just found one online. I paid, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks for it, and I started taking that, and it really amplifies the sound, so it was a really good investment. But, yeah, um, we would take that with us whenever we went out. Uh, and so we would just, you know, we would try to to keep as much information as we could uh, kind of to ourselves. I we didn't want to let the name of the place that we're going to get out because we didn't want a bunch of people invading our, our area and, you know, maybe running them out because like I said, we're going there with respect. So now I'll tell you, um, after the first couple of encounters there, there became a pattern that was really, uh, something that happened every time I went. So every time we would go, we would go to the same trail. We tried to re- replicate everything we did. So they were used to that. Okay. So when we would go down the trail, we would hear walking up on the hill on the left side. There was two hills. Got to remember, this is a creek running running through. In the, so we're on the flat part. So the, there's a hill to the left, and there's a hill to the right. So you could hear them walking on top of each of these hills. So basically what they were doing, they were walking with us when we would go in. They would stay on the ridges on either side of us, and we would walk down this trail, and we would go down uh, a couple, three or 400 yards, to a big area that was uh, where all the activity that we could see, like trees, uh, eye shines and, and trees that were pushed over was. So we would always go to that area and we would stand around and that's where we had a lot of our visuals. But they were, I kind of felt like they were guards, you know, so they walked us in and they walked us back out the same way we come in. And so you could hear them. So what I did one time is we were walking in and it was before da- uh, dark, we went a little bit earlier and I just took a picture of the of the top of the hill because I could hear walking. I just took a picture because I was going to send somebody down there, and I wanted to give him a picture of the the hillside to look for. It wasn't to really take any one of one of them's picture or anything. But when I got when I got to looking, when I got back to camp, I actually captured one peeking his head up over the hill, and it's pretty clear. So I zoomed in on it, and we cut that out. But so I got a a, a photo that way. So yeah, that's that's the way they they uh, operated. They always watched us in. They watched us out. They kept kept us at a bit of a distance until finally we started having the close up uh, encounters. And I'll get to the the big uh, story there at the end. It's one that changed my life. Um, but now getting back to our campout. So we're having the campouts. I have the, all the researchers that are coming in to, to camp, and we do our campfires. We do our drummings. You know, we're trying to be respectful, and the Bigfoot are coming up. I had one guy, uh, he got out of his tent one after, one night to, to relieve himself, and uh, he, he's standing by a tree outside of his tent. He, he starts doing his business, and something jumped up, and it scared him. He almost peed on one, okay? There was one that was laying on the ground. He jumps up and runs through the trees, and it scared him. He uh, he sent me a message right away. Something he said, man, a, this is crazy. Something that can make a grown man cry, literally. Yeah. So now this one wasn't very big. He was only four or five foot tall, but he was laying in the shadows and you couldn't even see him. I mean, he was just right there. And what they would do is they would come up to everybody's tents. And this, this happened several times. 
uh, one of the researchers seen one look in his tent window at him while he was asleep. So yeah, this happened a lot, and they would push in on the tent walls while, while they were in their sleep. Now I didn't sleep in a tent. I lived just down the road, so I uh, I would just drive home and stay, and then I would get back early in the morning. So anyway, uh, yeah, that was what was going on. Now uh, in all of this, we had uh, this one gentleman would bring his son, a uh, very nice uh, man. He, he would come, he'd bring his son with him, and uh, he got to see a couple with us behind camp. Uh, we noticed some movement. And Arla was with me, and we walked back, and there was a couple standing in the tree line, and she pointed them out to me, and I'm looking at them. And so we bring Zach up. We say, hey, look, look through the trees there. And so he's seen one go from tree to tree, and he was, like, just amazed, and he got all excited. And he's squealing. He said, oh, my gosh. So he goes back to camp, and he made a statement. He said, and, and uh, the um, the show Finding Bigfoot was on. He said, we've been here two days, and we've been seeing more Bigfoot than they have in two years. Imagine that. Uh, Keith Beard and my guest will continue our conversation into the next hour. I'm Jeremy Scott talking with Keith Beard and author of Forest Friends of the Night, my true story of discovery of the Bigfoot people. Stick with us. Think you've heard it all? Just wait until Into the Paranormal continues. the box into the paranormal have you seen bigfoot do you have an opinion is this a, a physical being is this a supernatural being maybe it's a combination of both want to give a shout out to uh, keith's members in the international bigfoot believers west georgia bigfoot and Ghost Cryptids, UFOs, The Real Truth groups on Facebook. If you do that, uh, we have links at paranormalradio.com. Click on the episode and you can get a link to those and also to the book, Forest Friends of the Night, My True Discovery, uh, True Story of Discovery of the Bigfoot People. And so I want to hone in on a few things here as we begin our second hour, uh, you know, which really is uh, the, the title of the book, Forest friends uh do you believe that these are friendly beings well it all depends on who you are and what you're out there for yes i do and i'm going to give you a story that actually helped me uh get the title to that book um i was thinking about that and i picked the most endearing uh encounter that i had and that's the one that that i used to to name the book so and that's exactly where i was leading up to i was about to to tell that story next so as I was saying, so we had this kid that came up, and, and he's the one that made the statement, we've seen more Bigfoot in two days, and finding Bigfoot has in two years. 
so with that, uh, after the campout was over with, he went home. Well, um, he told his uncle about it. His uncle was a judge. Uh, you know, he's an elected official, and he didn't believe in anything. He's going to come prove him wrong the next time we have a camp out. So over the winter time, we talked about it. You know, he, I got in touch with a couple of people uh, to come down, and uh, so I had some new people in camp. But so, and I'll just name him. His name was Scott. I won't say his last name at this point. But so Scott came to disprove Bigfoot. Uh, with his brother and, and little Zach. So the, the following fall, we're doing our camp out. And so um, Scott's with me. Everybody goes for a night walk. Well, I kind of took him under my wing and was talking to him. He was asking lots of questions, very, very super nice guy. And we're in camp, and it's getting uh, almost dark. It's, it's dusky dark, so there's some shadows in the woods there at camp. Everybody else is taking off. They're doing some walks and doing whatever they wanted to do. Because uh, that's the, the way we conduct our camps. Everybody has their own uh, initiative uh, of what they're coming there for. So they go out and they do their thing. So I'm with Scott, and we're sitting by the fire, and I noticed a dark shadow move from tree to tree. And that's how I, I got to where I learned how to spot them, is you just look for an anomaly like a dark spot. And you focus in on it, and you watch to see if it moves, because they do blend very well, and they stay in the shadows. So we're sitting there, and I see it, so we stand up, we go a little closer. Well, we're about, I guess, probably 15, 20 feet from a, a little bush. It's probably four feet high. Uh, it's pretty full. You couldn't see through it. And I'm, I'm looking, and I see movement behind the bush. Now, I'm thinking there's maybe a deer back there or something. So I'm looking, or maybe a raccoon. And all of a sudden, I see two little eyes poke up. And I seen the top of the head. It was a, a little small one, and it looked kind of like a little miniature gorilla. I mean, it had kind of a pointy head, but he had a, a cute little face, and he's looking at me, and then all of a sudden there was one beside him poked his head up at the same time. And when he poked his head up, then they both ducked back behind the bush. Now Scott's looking at me, and I'm standing there looking at him. He's to my right, and his mouth dropped open. And, and I mean, we're just right there looking at him. And he says, is that what I think it is? I said, well, what, what do you think it is? So we're standing there looking, and we're, I told him, I said, Shh, I gave him the signal, you know, be quiet, let's just watch. I didn't want to spook them off. Well, they stayed there, and they did that a couple more times. But the looks on their little faces, it was like they were playing peekaboo. And I had this feeling that came over me that these things are really gentle. I mean, these babies were, like, awesome. But then I got to thinking, I wonder where mom is. Well, there was a movement to my to my right and behind me, and I turned my head just a little bit, and Scott is focused on this bush. When I look, she's standing 10 feet behind us. She's about eight eight to nine feet tall, big lady. I mean, she's got the boobs, the whole thing, like the patty film. So I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and at first I was scared, but then all of a sudden she smiled. And the smile that she had, I immediately I felt warmth, I felt compassion, and I felt love. I could feel that. It was a physical thing. And when she smiled at me, everything in me, all the fear that I ever had and all the questions I had if, if they're monsters or whatever, went away. And from that day forward, I started calling my friends because she knew we weren't going to hurt those babies, and she was just standing back watching, and she was enjoying watching them play with us. And I thought, oh my God, what a what a gift! It was so emotional for me. 
while I'm standing there, when she smiled, and I, what I felt in my heart at that particular time, I actually, my eyes teared up, and I couldn't help it. I had a tear roll down my face, and I looked at Scott, and I was like, um, don't um, don't move. Just keep watching those little ones, because I was afraid he was going to turn around and see her, and it was going to freak him out. So when I turned back to look to see where she was, when I told Scott just to stay still and keep watching, she was gone. I mean, there was no, There was no sign of her. I didn't hear her walk away. I didn't see anything. I at just turned around and she was there. At the blink of an eye, absolutely. And at that point, we turned back around, and I never seen the little ones anymore. They never peeked back over that bush. So he's looking at me, and now after seeing this, we have to go sit down and, and talk about it. Now, he's shook up. He's shaking. He's a little, he's a little worried. <laughs> I was like, well, what are you worried about? He said, because I know they're real now. He said, this is amazing. He said, I can't believe it. So the rest of the time, now he knows. I mean, he it when it hits you and you know that there's something going on and you've seen it with your own eyes, that's the feeling that you'll never you'll never have that same feeling again. It it, it overwhelms you and it stays with you. Uh, and it stayed with me the first time I seen one too. But at least he had a, a good visit. And I think that they actually co- coordinated it to be that way because he was scared. But he was a really good man. So I've come to a lot of conclusions, and I'll, I'll come to those at the end of the show about them uh, through my research and working with the hundreds of researchers that I work with. And one of my groups is over 70,000 members, so I've got a lot of people telling me stories. I've got lots of really, really good researchers in my group. So that's, that's how it all started. That's how I got the name of my book. So now I'm looking at them at a different perspective. I'm thinking, okay, they're not monsters. They're a type of people, and that's exactly what they are. Um, not too long after that, I'm going out the gate at our camp. Uh, I think it's a day or two, and uh, one of the ladies that worked the gate, she come running out to my truck. She said, Mr. Bearden, she said, i, I got to tell you what I've seen. I said, oh, okay, cool. So I pulled over. She walked over, and um, she got in my truck to sit beside it, and she started crying. I said, what's, what's wrong? What are you crying for? She said, it was adorable. I said, what was adorable? She said, there was a little one walking down the road. It was like a little monkey boy. And she said he was standing right there at the gate, and I seen him, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Everybody told me what y'all were here for, but she said, I saw it. And so with that, I um, you know, I talked to her for a few minutes, and I had to go make some errands, but I came back by, and she came back out to my truck when I come back through and hugged me and said, this has been the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. And she, and she wasn't afraid. So she spread the word with all the workers there that they, you know, they weren't there to hurt them. Now this is a county-owned park, okay? This is not deep in the woods, stretching miles and miles from civilization. Yeah. This this metal road, it's in a park. The Boy Scouts actually had their home camp there. So while we were there, there were 600 Boy Scouts camping out in the fields around us, but they were still coming into our camp. So that particular trip changed everything for me. I went from the little bit of fear I had to complete respect, and I was just total, in total awe of what I had seen. And from that point on, it's been really easy for me. I, all the encounters I've had have been really good. Um, well, there was one encounter that was pretty intense, and I'll tell that here in just a minute. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how I came up with the, the name of the book, because I started looking at them at a different light. And every time I do a show, I want to at least touch on that story because 
I'm telling you, anybody that's encountered them in the way that I did will tell you the same thing. There, there's such a love that, that you can get sometimes. Now, is there fear? Absolutely. And I've talked to many people, so I know that that's real. But I also know, too, um, through my research, that whatever fear you have comes back to you. So if you go out there afraid, probably you're not going to see one because they can they can detect your negative energy just the same as a dog can detect if you're a good person or a bad person. They can do that, too. And I've learned that uh, through my research. And Ron Moorhead's book, uh, Quantum Bigfoot, uh, explains how that's done. And I'll get a little bit more into that after I tell my next story. So after this camp was over with, you know, the next year, I'm I'm really into it, and I get invited to do a conference in Washington. I go up and I meet everybody up there, you know, lots of new researchers, and um, you know, and I'm doing my thing all year long, and getting ready for the next camp out coming in the fall. So while all this is going on, you know, I'm starting to like put my all my things on in my journal together and forming what now became my book. But you know, it's it's getting pretty full, and I'm trying to get out there every chance I, I got. It's like an hour drive from my house where the, the, the areas that I go to. But so the the park ranger that ran that particular park, the park manager, we, he, we became good friends. He would tell me anytime somebody had a report and there were a lot of reports and he knew what they were. As a matter of fact, after our camp, uh, he went to pick up around, you know, get the trash and all that. Uh, we had bagged up. And he's seen one there in our camp. and he, So I was going to ask, there have been uh, other sightings in, in the area, it sounds like. Yes, there was lots of sightings in the area. As a matter of fact, we invited a couple that had a, a, a home down the road. They were advertising. They, they were leaving because their home was uh, surrounded by Bigfoot. And so that's how all of that came about. And so the, the paper started covering it. So there was articles in the paper, and, and there was interviews. And from that point on, Every time we had a camp and they found out who was showing up, the, the newspaper or the radio station would show up. Now, this same park, uh, they ended up adopting the Bigfoot as their mascot. They even went so far as to bought uh, two uh, Bigfoot uh, um, outfits. <laughs> we got a couple of people. So now when we go, we got these people dressed as Bigfoots, and they're doing the interviews, and they just make a big thing out of it. But it's pretty cool. They call me the Bigfoot man there. So, yeah, it's it's become a big thing in that area. Now, I've had really bad health the last few years. I've had two strokes, and I've got heart failure. So I had to quit doing my camp out. So I'm, I'm trying to get better from that. Now I'm going to try to resume. Wish you all the, all the best, year. Keith. Wish you all the best. Thank you, Steve. I'm, I'm doing great now. I, yeah, I went through the bad part. I, I think I'm good. But um, but that it gets me to this, this one story that, that i got to tell because this is the one that that taught me a lot. And, and this is probably the most unusual story you're going to hear, but okay. And so we'll get to the most unusual story of the night next. When we continue with Keith Bearden, author of forest friends of the night, my true story of discovery of the Bigfoot people will continue wild encounters somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal tonight. I'm Jeremy Scott across the USA. Into the
You never know what you might encounter out there, especially if you're alone and it's at night and you're out there in the middle of nowhere. Or maybe you're in a group like Keith and you have these recurring encounters. It's been pretty unusual so far, our conversation with him. But now we get to the most unusual story so far of the night. Keith, have at it. Yes, sir. So <clears throat> as all this is, is going, I'm, I'm pretty much taking things in as, as fast as I can. Uh, but this last particular story, um, so I've never really come up to the, the male Bigfoot by myself yet. There was a couple of people that did run into him. And, and it's kind of unusual in a way, but a lot of the people that are in my group have a, a psychic abilities or they're empaths. There's something about them that are a little bit different, but they're, and it's, and I think it's because of vibration. I think Ron Moorhead's dead, dead right on, on his theories because that made all the sense because when I, I run across these structures that are built in the woods, asterisks and that sort of thing. And when we started talking about energy, I, I bought an EMF meter and I started checking them and they all have tons of energy surrounding them. So it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. So that gets back to this last story. And then I, I have some revelations for you that, that I found that I think you'll find interesting. So we go down to the same trail that I, I told you about earlier. The, the first one that we ever walked down, I took a crew with me. Now this crew, I had uh, seven people total, including myself. And one was Arla. Uh, but my wife at the time was with me. She was in the back. So we start down the trail and uh, we're walking pretty much single file. It's a, kind of a narrow trail side of a ridge. And we're going down, we're listening and we're in Arla's talking to them and we're, you know, trying to get them to come out. We don't really see anything much. Uh, and we keep going down the trail. We stop every few feet and we talk to them. And we had to hear movement, the same as I told you before. You could hear them walking with a parabolic, but you couldn't see them. So we went down to the area that we, we always go to and we stand where all the activity usually happens. So as we're walking down that area, before we get to it, I noticed a really bright eye shine on the hill to my right. And whatever it was was coming down the hill just like before. I could, we could hear it walking. And so we stopped. So at that point, we're all together, and Arnold and I stepped forward. We walked up, I guess, 20 or 30 feet from the rest of the group. They all stayed back, and they're all standing there looking. They're a little bit afraid because everybody could see this thing really well. Well, there was a pretty bright moon that night, so you could see shadows from the trees from the moon that was overhead. It was a little bit later than usual, too. Uh, so this thing comes down the, tra uh, the, the hill into the trail where we were at, this trail is, is white sand, so when he hits the trail, uh, you can see him really well with the, with the moon shining. I, mean, I could see details, and he was only like 15, 20 feet away. And now he's standing there, and Arnold's standing with me, and she says he wants you to come closer. Now, I'm standing there looking at this guy, and he's 10 and a half feet tall. His shoulders are five, six foot wide, huge. And I'm looking at him full on, and that was this has been the best visual. And even though it's at night, the, the moon was bright enough that I could see him. Now his hair looked a silver color, but in reality, I've seen him in the daytime. He's a blondish color in 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 the daytime. I guess the moon shining off of him. So he's standing there, and I walk toward him, and I get within ten feet. He's standing there. And at 10 feet, I'm a little bit apprehensive, but I'm still not 
there because she's standing just behind me. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this vibration hits me in my chest, and I can, I'm vibrating all over. I can feel the vibration from my head to my toes. All right, we'll continue face-to-face encounter nearly with a, a Bigfoot out there in the woods of Georgia, continuing with the Keith Beard and I'm Jeremy Scott into the paranormal. Paranormal news. A private industry spaceship is headed for the moon. Three, two, one, ignition, and liftoff. Go SpaceX, go IM-1, and the Odysseus lunar lander. Intuitive Machines launched its IM-1 mission from Kennedy Space Center last week, hoping to become the first non-government entity to make a soft touchdown on the moon and land the country's first robot on the surface since the Apollo missions. On board is science hardware for NASA that will help better understand the risks to astronauts who are expected to land as soon as 2026. The first private U.S. mission earlier this year ended in failure, Astrobotic will get another shot late this year when it plans to carry NASA's Viper moon rover to the south pole of the moon. George Henry, Paranormal News. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. Did you see what it was? Was it a person or an animal? Or? I can't tell. All I know is that my central light came on and I just happened to glimpse and see this thing running across the yard. Uh, a good-sized man or something looks like a man. I don't know what it was, just it, it ran across the yard. Okay. You've had problems in the neighborhood before? Yeah, my dog was killed here just recently. I don't know what it was, whatever it is, it's running. I couldn't catch it if I was going to chase it. But whatever it was, it was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. paranormal and part abnormal there's nothing ordinary about what's on your speakers into the paranormal with jeremy scott yeah it certainly uh, fits the bill all right can you imagine coming face to face with something like this not only did you hear a well a real account right there what we believe is a real account i mean who really is to know but also Keith Bearden, author of Forest Friends of the Night, uh, telling us about his nearly face-to-face encounter. Uh, so he's about 10 feet away and uh, starts to feel this this vibration from head to toe. Please continue. Yes, sir. So I, I'm feeling this vibration. And I really, at that point, I didn't know what to do or say. 
um, like I said, I'm standing a little ways from her. And so as I'm standing there, all of a sudden I hear an audible voice, but it was, it was more in my head, but it was, I could understand it. It said, uh, I am going to show you. Um, so at, at that point in time, there was no more words. All there, all there was was flashes of things in my, in my head. I could see like, if you take a movie and you put it on fast forward and you're watching it shoot through as fast as it'll go, I'm seeing scenes going through my mind. I'm seeing like Bigfoot around, uh, eating something and splitting up, uh, food and a bunch of them standing around. I'm seeing all of this stuff and none of it made sense. It was just, it was all confusing to me. And I didn't exactly know what was going on, but as it was going on, I kept getting dizzier and dizzier to the point that I thought I was going to pass out and I, and I'm just holding on, um, after about say, I guess maybe five or 10 minutes, it all stopped. He looked at me and he, and he just, uh, all I heard was words, you will understand. And that was it. So the feeling that I had was that I was being downloaded information. I was learning about them. And that's exactly what I think happened. Uh, because after all of this, I have been getting little bits and pieces of this ever since this happened. This was back in uh, 2013, 2014, and I'm still having these bits of information come to me. Somebody can ask me a question and it triggers some of that information and I know the answer and I can tell them. And so I've been, I'm still in this learning process, but after, after that happened, he turned, he looked at me, he walked down the trail and the same thing that happened before, except for this time I could see it. I can hear him walking. I can see him walking. And then all of a sudden, everything went quiet, just like you turned the volume down on a TV. I couldn't hear him walking anymore, and he completely vanished. From the trail to the woods, I thought maybe he stepped into the woods. I wasn't sure. All I know is he was gone. Now, when he was gone, the vibration had stopped. And I'm standing there, and I like I feel real queasy. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I'm, I'm weak. I'm weak from head to toe. I can barely stand. And so I gather myself for a minute and I go back to the, to the crowd of people that was behind us, my wife and the other ones. And Arna was there and they all started telling me, well, my wife was the first one that stepped up. She said, where did you go? I said, what do you mean? She said, you disappeared. She said, you were standing there. And when you walked closer, all of a sudden you were gone. You weren't there anymore. And I was like, really? She said, yeah, you completely disappeared. I said, well, did you see the Bigfoot? She said, no, we couldn't see him. We could hear him walking, but we never seen him. So the entire area around me vanished, and it it was amazing. I See, didn't know what happened. That's what they all told me. Is where the supernatural comes into play, it sounds like. Well, you know what? I've learned a lot, and, and now I supernatural just means something that's not normal. The paranormal or supernatural, they're, they're, uh, they're definitely flesh and blood. I can tell you that right now. I, I know that because I've had a couple people that's been touched by them. So they're flesh and blood, but they're able to do things by using quantum physics and quantum energy that right. we all could do at one point in time. We all had the ability. We all knew how to access our brain and get to the point that, that, that they can do. They just use this energy to be able to do, do things that we think is paranormal when in reality it's perfectly normal. We just forgot how. 
And that's some of the revelations that I'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, the other thing is when I was standing beside Arla, I asked her, I said, well, what did you say? Did, did I disappear? She said, no, I was standing just a few, few feet away. She said, but you grew in height. You said she, you were looking at him eye to eye. She said, y'all were about the same height. I said, really? So she, see, her perspective nearest me was totally different. She was within that energy field enough to see me. So what I've learned, in, and I know this now, this is almost a, a given because I've experienced them so many times. They create an energy field around them. And quantum physics basically is when atoms are, uh, are running into each other, it stirs up the atmosphere. So they create this energy field all around them that causes everything to be blurry. And that's one of the reasons why people can't get a good, clear picture. They have this energy. So is that what happened them. to you? Well, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. I disappeared to the people behind me. Arna says I just grew. Now, I never knew any of that. All I knew is I got sick. So when I got back to camp, I just it took me the rest of the night just to regather my my composure. And and I'm sitting in the chair and they're talking to me and I, everything seems like it's in a in a like a in a tunnel. You know, and then finally it all starts coming back and after I get my bearings, my wife and I got in the car and of course I said we didn't live that far away so we drove home. But the entire night I'm I'm sitting up and um and I'm thinking about things and um I don't know long about daylight. I still got things going in my mind. I went into a deep sleep and I slept for probably 12 straight hours the next day. As a matter of fact, my wife came and woke me up two or three times. I was completely drained of energy completely. So with all of that, you know, I came to some conclusions that night that there was something going on. Now this was long before Ron came out with his quantum physics and his quantum energy thing. But I knew that there was an energy there. I knew there was something going on, the vibration that I could feel. Now, another thing, too, is a lot of times when we're around them, our watches would stop, uh, batteries would drain. The batteries from parabolic would drain all the time. I always had to keep extra ones, and I had to take, leave them at camp. I couldn't take them out in the field with me because I'd have to replace them at camp. So all of this is going on. Um, so the things that I've learned over the years, and I've, I've got this, information that's still in me that comes out is number one, they are people. They're, they're not a spiritual being. They're a real physical being. Um, they're here to do a job. They're here for a purpose. And I'm still a little bit unclear. I don't know everything, but I do know that they keep balance with nature and they are doing the job that they're supposed to do. Now, what I'm supposed to do and what Toshinakan had told me to do in this while I was standing there, and it's been reaffirmed to me later, that I got to go out and tell people that they're real. They're not monsters. They're just out there to do what they are intended to do as part of their thing. Now, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be more respectful to their to their land and to to Mother Earth. We're supposed to come together as ma a man, uh, mankind, and learn to love each other, which. That's the message I try to get out when I go anywhere. But everything that happened to me that night had an impact. So when I got back, you know, I'm starting to put my book together and I get all that. Well, my life fell apart after that. Now, I think that I was just having, it's like a chalkboard. I had all this stuff on the chalkboard. Well, I got wiped clean with everything that I've ever, ever done. I lost my job. My book came out. I lost my job. Um, my health started to deteriorate and I ended up with heart failure. I've had two strokes. 
but now I'm on the mend again. I'm, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting better. I'm getting back into my research. I've been off now for like four years. Um, I lost my parents. I lost my home. I lost my job. I was homeless wow. for a while. Yeah. I'm right. I'm, I'm renting a room with a friend. Uh, and after my dad passed away, you know, I had to go on a disability because of my health. You know, I've, I've got my, my legs back under me for my stroke. Um, I'm walking now. I finally, this week I walked without a cane for a little bit. So it's all coming back now. And now I was told in a dream a few nights ago, and that's what happens a lot of times that I've got to get back out there. And so that's when I got, you know, a couple of people getting in touch with me about doing my story and talking about them. So that's what I'm going to try to do this year. I'm, I'm concentrating on that, but I've also found out that everything Everything is related. Uh, everything is energy, okay? Energy is, and I started studying Nikola Tesla and Albert Einstein. So everything's made of energy and everything vibrates, everything. I mean, physical things that are not even alive still made up of atoms. So that energy is what we carry in us and that vibrational energy is what we have to learn when we're living our life, we have to live in a positive energy and a positive vibration. Try to keep the negative stuff away because the negative stuff will kill you. That's what happened to me after all of that happened. And I started having some issues and I'm combating things in my head, you know, because my whole world just changed. I mean, everything that I've ever had went away. And so I didn't know what to do or where to turn. So my, my world turned dark for for a few years. I actually did die. I, I passed away in an emergency room one night with my heart, and they brought me back with the shock paddles. But And he survived as well. Around, yes, sir. Yeah, and I got stories about that too. But the Bigfoot people are here for a reason. Now, the thing that, that I know in the revelations, and I'll get more into that in the last segment, the revelations are complex, but they're simple. And in this journey of learning about the Bigfoot people, what I've learned is I've learned about myself. And I've learned what we need to do as human beings on this earth to be a good influence on others and how to spread positive energy. There's something to all of the songs that you hear about good vibrations and 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 you know there's a dark and there's a light. There's a there's a balance that has to be. Uh if something gets out of kilter one way or the other, then everything goes goes crazy. It goes haywire. It has to be balanced. So that's part of what they do. Now, another one of the revelations or one of my best friends, uh, that psychic, uh, she's had several encounters with cryptids on her property and I'm actually moving there next month. She's seen something called a fae. Uh, and that was, that's a wild story in itself. Uh, she's seen uh, the Bigfoot there. They, they look in her windows at night. She's seen the dog man. Dog man came out in the daylight, and she's got photos that I've got in my phone right now that she took of him. He's sitting right outside her pool looking at her in the pool, and it's daytime. It's not nighttime, and he's sitting there. So what I found out is there's a lot of things going on in this world that everybody thinks is made up, and people don't believe it, but you know, and I can't convince anybody of anything. All I can do is tell my story, and you can either believe it or not. The good thing about me is I can take people there, and but I'm very careful with who I pick. I don't just take anybody. Um, but if they're of the right mind and, and they're 
and they're going to listen to what I tell them, and we go there in respect, something will happen. It happens every single time, and it's been happening that way since 2012. So the thing that that has really been impressed upon me is get the word out. You know, we've got a chance to fix this earth. We've got a chance to fix ourselves, but you got to stay positive with things. That's the revelation that I was told, and I'll get a little bit more into that. Sure. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get everything in here. Doing a so great I, job. I don't run out of time. Absolutely. We'll uh, take the break, come back, finish up our conversation with Keith Bearden tonight on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Into the Paranormal. about you friends tonight but these are some wild encounters keith bearden is my guest author of the wonderful book forest friends of the night my true story of discovery of the bigfoot people if you do facebook he's uh at several groups that uh, you can find more content in and we've got those linked up at parabnormalradio.com uh in the time that we have left uh keith i know you have some uh, last minute uh inspirations to share with us Yes, sir. So, yeah, my book, uh, basically, anybody that's interested in knowing how to have a sighting, well, I give you the, the recipe. It's up to you to cook the recipe to make it work for you. So, basically, you got to have a good heart, a good mind. You have to have good, positive energy. They shy away from people that are afraid of them. They shy away from any kind of negative energy. So, they're really good around kids. Kids have a pure heart. And I was just talking to some people the other day about um, kids that have special needs. A lot of those kids have lots of encounters uh, because they come to them with an open heart and mind. But the journey that I've been on, a lot of people tell me, okay, you're lucky. You got to see a Bigfoot. Well, I've got to see a bunch of Bigfoot, but you don't really want to be on my journey because I lost everything I had. I almost lost my life. And I I was sent back here to finish the job that I have to do. So that's why I'm picking back up my research this year. Um, I've tagged team. I've got a a wonderful researcher that's going to be working with me. Um, So I'm going to be writing another book. I'm going to probably be uh, doing another documentary. I've also have a documentary out there called uh, The uh, Legend of the Downey Booker. Um, they, well, it's not my total, but I've had a segment in there and that was filmed. Part of that was filmed in my camping, uh, area there. Uh, I've got one of my researchers is online with me here now. He's been listening to the show, but, uh, also, you know, I had, uh, Bob Gimlin himself of the Patterson Gimlin film. He came in camp with us for a week. You know, we got to hear from his mouth, everything that happened before and after the, the Patty thing. Um, so I've had some wonderful, wonderful people that I've been able to, to talk to and bounce ideas off of. Um, I can't even, I mean, there's so many, I can't even mention them all, but, uh, Ron Moorhead's been a huge influence. And I heard his, the Sierra sounds that, that he has, I heard that exact same thing a couple of times too. So I've heard them do that, that same, uh, thing, but it's just been, it's been a revelation for sure. But like I said, the, the main thing that I've learned is you got to go about life being a positive person. You got to look at everything 
every single day that you wake up, think of positive things. I try not to go into a negative place because every time I do, I usually have health issues. And when I started having some bad things happen and they spiraled out of control, things got worse and worse and worse. That's why I had so many bad things happen at one time. Uh, but I survived them all. I was sent back to do my job. So the rest of this year, I'll be out and about. I'll probably be doing some traveling. I've got a an RV motorhome that I purchased uh, with my dad's life insurance when, when, when he passed away. That's my next home. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to probably hit the road and, and visit some places. But I'm out there to try to help people understand the truth. Um, I'm not out there to try to prove them to science. That's not who I am. I'm supposed to tell my story. I'm supposed to tell what I've seen. Uh, there's been tons more stories about, you know, them that I've had that will be in my next book. Uh, but right now I, I've got to create brand new stories. I've got to get out and do the rest of what I was sent back to do. So that's going to be my focus for the rest of this year. Really appreciate so you, you uh, any, coming on the program. You Keith. It was, uh, oh, I've got tons of questions, but we just don't have time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I understand. That's fine. You can hit me up afterwards. Uh, we'll make sure that we do it again. How about that? That sounds fine. I appreciate you coming on the program. Uh, best way for folks to get yes, in touch with you, Keith, how do they do that? Best place, you can look me up on Facebook. Um, go to one of my groups and, and start it there. Um, come on now. If you get on to my groups, you're, we're going to have some qualifying questions. Answer the qualifying questions. We'll let you in. And then you can message me. We can talk via messenger. And I've got most of my stories are in there, so you can go and, and pull them up there. And, of course, always linked up at parabnormalradio.com if you need a one-stop shop. Keith, thanks so much for coming on the program. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure, friends. And uh, we'll get to do it again once more this week with you. So until tomorrow night, from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night. And God bless. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.